Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Friday, the 6th of November, 2020. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, these words obviously come not from Scripture, but from the Declaration of Independence, where it talks about certain rights that the founders believed were unalienable and that they were God-given rights that no government could take away. And that they're the last one that they list is the pursuit of happiness. And we have to realize that happiness is such a central part of everybody's life. Everyone is I believe, pursuing happiness. Everybody wants to be happy. And I think that if we understand where true happiness comes from, that should be a desire that drives us to the Lord. True happiness is only to be found in the Lord. And one of the tragedies of the world is that people are pursuing happiness in all the wrong places, in things that can never satisfy, in things that can never fulfill. But that, I think, is a given. All men are pursuing happiness. And I think that's why we have a problem sometimes with something that we're going to see today in our revival from the Bible reading. We struggle as humans who naturally want to pursue happiness. We struggle with what to do with grief. We struggle with what to do with frustration. We struggle with dealing with lamentation and mourning. And today, we'll begin the book of Lamentations, where we're going to be confronted with that head-on. And we're going to actually see something first as we go to Psalm 120. So the big question we want to ask today, though, is even though we want to be happy, we pursue happiness, we have to realize there's going to be bad things in the world. And how do we deal with frustration? How do we deal with grief? How do we deal with problems. We're going to see that especially in a couple passages today, but first I want us to turn to Psalm 120. Psalm 120. So yes, we are done with Psalm 119, this masterpiece of scripture, but now we begin Psalm 120, which you'll notice right there at the top of the psalm, it says, a song of ascents, which we are now going to begin a series of psalms that are known as the song of ascents. Now, what is that talking about? Well, you'll notice, especially in the Gospels, that it talks about them going up to Jerusalem. Now, normally, in our culture, if we say, I'm going to go up somewhere, we think of up as a directional term, right? We think of maps and north being the top of the map. So to say going up means I'm going north, usually. I wouldn't make sense to any of you if you live in Idaho to say, hey, you know, I'm going to go up to Salt Lake City. You would think you're going to go down to Salt Lake City and likely uh, while you're there, eat some In-N-Out Burger. But you would think it was down because it's south. Well, in the scriptures, when they say we're going up to Jerusalem, they literally meant up, not in a sense of direction, but in a sense of elevation. City of Jerusalem kind of sits on a ridge of, of hills and mountains that goes right down kind of the spine 
of the nation of Israel. So whether you're coming from the, the Jordan Valley or whether you're coming from closer to the Mediterranean Sea, you are going up to Jerusalem. And that's where I think the context of the Song of Ascents, that these were songs likely sung by pilgrims. Remember, they would go to Jerusalem three times a year for biblical feasts and, and festivals. And as they were going up to Jerusalem, they would sing these songs of a sense. And many times as I've been to Israel with groups and we have been driving in a bus up from Jericho to Jerusalem, we have read these Psalms together on the bus. Also, people have noticed uh, an equivalence between the number of songs of a sense. And if you go to kind of the southern steps of the Temple Mount, which had been preserved and, and recovered uh, through archaeology, you, you notice that this number of steps is the same number as the song songs of ascent. And that's also something I've done is stood on those steps and on every step, somebody reading another of the songs of ascent as we go up and ascend towards the Temple Mount. And so these songs were likely sung in these circumstances. And we see the first one today, Psalm 120. And I would suggest that this is best understood as a song of lament. Clearly, this guy is frustrated as he is writing this psalm. He is saying, woe to me. And the places that he lists, Meshach and Kedar, those are far from Jerusalem. So it seems that this man, he, he his heart is pining for Jerusalem. He is longing to be making a pilgrimage there, but he is living far away from Jerusalem. And more than that, he talks about you know, the lying lips and the deceitful tongue. It seems that not only is he in a foreign place, but he is among a foreign and godless people. He says in verses six and seven, too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And so this is where you might be able to identify with the frustrations that this psalmist is feeling. Obviously, we've been referring a lot to the presidential election this week. And just maybe as you consider the political situation of our country, it is something that makes you grieve. It's something that frustrates you. And we're going through all this in the year of 2020, which has been a, a weird and oftentimes frustrating year. And so what I want us to, to think about today is what do we do? in those situations. And now let's go back to the beginning of the Psalm, Psalm 120, which says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me, deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. And this is where I think we can learn some lessons today, where what do we do when we are frustrated? What do we do when it seems like we're getting angry. And even some of the causes of those things are legitimate, right? You've probably experienced some things in 2020 that are legitimately frustrating, not just because, you know, you're, you're being totally selfish and not getting something you want. You, there are things that, that uh, kind of get your anger to rise, or you look out at the political situation in our country and, and you, you, you get upset because of things that just are not right. I mean, he looks, hey, I am for peace, but they are not for peace. Or I'm for the truth and people are not for the truth. And that is something that is upsetting to people that want to honor God. But what do we do with that? And that's where I think we need to lean in often more to biblical grief and really biblical lamentation. That there is a place in the Christian life to, to cry out 
to God. And that's kind of the idea of lamentations is I'm crying out and I'm, I'm giving voice to these frustrations. But I think this is where we need to be careful because there are two routes that we can go. One is we can just let the frustrations fester and we can just get more frustrated and we can get bitter and we can just let that anger kind of start to boil on the stove of our hearts. And I think that's been easy to do, especially this year. It doesn't take this year for that. Uh, this can happen all the time in a in a life of a believer. But this frustration just begins to boil and simmer and our hearts start to get hard and we start to get bitter and we can feel that way towards God. We can feel that way towards others, whether that's people close to us or whether that's our culture. And that's one way we can go is just to let the frustration fester. But I think the better way to go is to give voice to that frustration through biblical lamentation, that we take those frustrations that we feel and we go to God and we pour them out before him. And that's what we're really going to see in the book of Lamentations as well. And that's what I think we see here in Psalm 120. And I think that is the more fruitful way to go. We don't want to just put on rose-colored glasses and ignore the problems around us in our country, in the world, maybe in our more immediate circumstances like our families or our workplaces. But what we want to do is take those frustrations and lament and pour them out before God. And I think that's where we're going to find our hearts helped as we pour them out to God. And also, I think that's where we're going to learn something ourselves. Notice in verse two, he says, deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. And I think he's not just talking about those around him. I think, and we see this often in the Psalms, that the psalmist is praying, God, keep me pure. And that's an important part of lamentation is it kind of takes the eyes off the sin around us and make sure as we pour out that frustration to the Lord, God, keep me from that sin. I read a blog recently from a pastor in, in Houston, Texas, Gunnar Gunderson, that talked about lament and grief. And one line he said in there that stood out to me about on this subject, really, of lamentation gets our eyes open to ourselves, is that it's hard to look in the mirror when we're too busy rolling our eyes at everyone else. And uh, I think it's true for me, and I think Pastor Charlie can uh, testify to this. I have used that eye roll emoji on my phone more than I ever have before, probably in 2020, than any other year previously. Frankly, there's been a lot to roll our eyes about. But that's where if that's all we do and we don't take that and pour it out to God, we're going to miss out. We're going to miss out on the comfort that only God can give. And we're also going to miss out on the lessons that we can learn and the ways that we can repent and the ways that we can grow and change. And that brings us to Lamentations. And that's what this book is all about, right? Jeremiah writing at the destruction of Jerusalem that we've read about. And now he is pouring out his heart and his grief to the Lord. It seems like sometimes he's doing it almost in the voice of the city, but you can see this is not fun. This doesn't feel like the pursuit of happiness when he's saying in chapter one, verse 20, my stomach churns, my heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. In the street, the sword bereaves, in the house, it is like death. And in chapters one and two, that's kind of all we see is just that pouring out of emotion and frustration and just the, the sadness that he feels. And that's where tomorrow in chapter three, we're going to see some of the most famous and encouraging verses in the whole Bible. And I want you to start by noticing that those verses about the faithfulness of God that we're still singing about almost 3,000 years later, they were birthed from lamentation. 
right? And I think if we, instead of just letting frustration fester in our hearts, are faithful to go to God and grieve and pour out our frustrations to him and do it humbly with an eye on ourselves, that's where we will see really encouragement and trust in the faithfulness of God flourish in that context. Well, let's look now at the other passages of scripture today. We look at John chapter seven, and we finish the chapter verses 40 to 53 here. And we see, again, people being confused about Christ. Uh, People say, this is the prophet. People say, this is the Christ. And we realize both of those are correct. Uh, He was the prophet foretold, I believe, by Moses. And he certainly, Jesus is the Christ. And we see the confusion. They're saying, well, isn't he supposed to come from Bethlehem? And many of them, I guess, do not know that Christ was born in Bethlehem. But uh, the most telling part of this passage to me is when these officers come back and the Pharisees ask, why did you not arrest him? And they say, no one ever spoke like this man. There is power in the words of Jesus, self-authenticating power. That's why I would encourage you to continue to put those words in front of other people. Let's pray that as a church, we see people interact with the words of Christ for the first time, because even in the midst of a hostile culture, I think there are people that will, through the power of the Holy Spirit, be impacted by the words of Christ and realize that there's nothing else like this. This is the truth. Jesus is the Christ. And let's pray that we see more of that in our society and in our community. Finally, we, we wrap up the book of 2 Peter today. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 to 18. And remember yesterday, we asked the question, why are we still here? Why has Jesus not come back yet to resolve everything? And we saw it's because he's being patient, because he is waiting for more people to get saved. And he is going to come back and there will be destruction and all things will be made right and all things will be made new. So what? Knowing that, what does that mean for us? Well, that's really the answer we get in verses 11 to 18 today. Since all these things, talking about the world, are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And we we see we are frustrated at the world. We should pour out those frustrations in lament before God. But we should also remember the end that Jesus is going to come back. There will be a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And let's put our perspective again on these eternal things, that all the things we're experiencing in the world right now, they're going to be very short term compared to the big picture of eternity. And there is so much wrong in the world right now, but Jesus Christ will come back and he will make everything right. So in the meantime, As we pour out our frustrations to the Lord, we've got to keep our eyes focused even on our own lives, being holy, being blameless, pursuing God, and even in our lamentation saying, God, search my heart, make sure there's no wicked way in me, and continuing to be focused on our mission of hastening the day of the Lord by spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. So yes, we all want to be happy, but let's also remember the words of Jesus when he said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. I hope that we experience both the mourning and the comfort as we seek God together. 
Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.